episode 35 of Comic Book Movie Guy, the podcast. Hello, everyone. Hello. I'm back with another episode, and I'm very excited because I got a guest with me today. I got Zane. Hello, Zane. How are you today? Hi, Brim. I'm good, thanks. When you said I'm back for a split second there, I thought you were about to say, I'm Batman. It would make sense, given the recent trailer that just dropped for The Flash. And although I did a, a recent podcast about how the worlds will collide with the DC Universe, I thought it would be really fitting to have you here, Zane, and to just talk to you about this this whole new universe that we're about to dive into headfirst. Well, I'll tell you what, Bram. Uh, as you know, I was devastated when the news broke that Henry Cavill and company were no longer going to be moving forward with the DCU, EU, whatever it's called. I've lost track nowadays. Yeah. Um, it's taken some time to marinate, but I'm on board with Gunn. I, I really like what's going on. You and I have had some discussions about it. Uh, I actually credit you for kind of tickling my fancy again about the DC plans moving forward. And the last episode, not not the Flash one that I haven't seen yet, but the one before that, where you're kind of just going through basically all of what Gunn said in his recent announcement for the whole DCU. So thank you, Brem. I have some relived hope. Good. I'm really glad to hear that. Because I know, like you, I was also very disappointed originally that James Gunn is not going to go forward with Snyder's characters and that it's going to be, quote, a soft reboot. So, yeah, you and I literally watched Black Adam. Is that what he called it, a soft reboot? What does a soft reboot mean? I'm learning (laughs) as we speak what a soft reboot is because I don't think anybody has experienced the soft reboot before, but... Essentially what it is, is some characters will remain the same and some characters will change. So a soft reboot as opposed to a hard reboot, which was rumored for a long time with DC, a hard reboot would mean that none of the characters from past universes will exist in this current universe. And the Flash resets everything, is what James said. So this movie coming out June 16th of this year, which is not far away, we're literally like, what is it, it'll be March here soon, so two, three months away here. And uh, with it being a soft reboot, that just means that some characters will remain the same from that original timeline. Interesting. I'm curious to know then what's going to happen with Jason Momoa and Aquaman. Because they're saying that he could play two different characters, but now they're saying he's not going to play two characters. So what the hell? That was an interesting thing for me. Jason Momoa, I think, got really excited by the whole James Gunn news. And I think he was the first to know everything. So he was posting on his Instagram and everything about how he's really excited for the upcoming projects and all this stuff. And Aquaman 2 is still part of the DC slate. And that comes out after The Flash. So that would lead me to believe that Jason Momoa's Aquaman is going to be canon. That's who we're going to use going forward, which makes sense. And he fits. He really does. And I think Aquaman is a tough one to reboot. And I think that's a smart choice by James and his team about keeping Jason Momoa and not using him as another character like Lobo, who is a Superman villain. Well, especially too when Aquaman was actually arguably one of the best DCEU movies because there was a lot of uh, dumpster fires that happened in that whole Warner Bros. predicament there. So when you have a bright spot in Aquaman, you might want to carry it over and stick with the formula that works in terms of the Aquaman we're now familiar with and the world building that just took place. Absolutely. I think if anything, we could all agree that Aquaman was one of the movies of the DCEU that actually worked and was good. Like James Wan's Aquaman movie was good. We saw that thing in theaters. Yep. And it really blew us away. Like, I don't think we expected anything from it. And I think Jason Momoa just works as Aquaman and I think it should continue. And he's interacted with the characters that are going to move forward um, on James's side. Like, he's already said, like, I know that you haven't watched Peacemaker with John Cena and stuff. And that's not really my bag either. But those characters are going to continue with Amanda Waller, who is Viola Davis in the DCEU. And she's going to have sort of her toys to play with, if you will. And I kind of like that, you know. I, I it, It's a minor thing. But that's what I mean by soft reboot. Right, those characters will continue on in the DCU that's going to 
change here. So then is the idea to build up towards this endgame style thing in the near future? Well, not the near future. It's going to probably take a while to build. Yeah. But is that what we're gearing towards then? Absolutely. Does that mean we get to see Henry Cavill one day again don the cape in like a crisis on Infinity Earth or whatever the hell it's called? I certainly hope so. You know, I know that it was in the original plans to do Crisis of Infinite Earths. or It's either Crisis of Infinite Earths or Crisis on Infinite Earths. Okay. One of the two is the title. But that comic is literally any version of Superman, Batman, whatever, coming together to fight a greater threat. And what is that greater threat? Well, that's going to be up to James and his team if they decide to go that route, which I think would be better in the later stages of DC. But right now we're just chapter one, Gods and Monsters. Mm. So... Well, if you don't mind my steering this conversation into a direction that I know you're familiar with, and I know you love this, mm-hmm. um, don't jump through the window when I tell you this okay. out of excitement. Um, the Bold and the Brave, Batman. The Brave the brave and the Bold, yeah. Brave and the Bold, sorry. Yeah. I always get those two mixed up. No, it's, it's easy to do. <laughs> we talked a little bit about what the casting could potentially be, very briefly, but we don't really know. But yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot. Sorry, I don't mean to sound like I'm interviewing you. I'm just, I just had this question on my mind, but I just want to talk, like start this conversation essentially. Maybe somebody else can weigh in in the future, but sure. what do you think or who do you think would be your most um, obvious casting choice at this point for a Batman of what James Gunn is looking for for the future? Oh, that's a great, that's a great question. It's nice to be asked a question instead of just having all these questions in my head <laughs> and then like answering them for myself, <laughs> my own podcast. So, um, you know, for me, I think uh, Jensen Ackles is the, he's the obvious choice. He's voiced Batman in all animation. And we know that James has come out and said that he wants his characters to be consistent through animation, live action, and gaming. All of the same actors will play the same characters throughout his DC universe. So for me, it feels like an easy choice, although Jensen is close to 40 years old. He has voiced the character, and he looks the character. I've seen a couple of fan edits. I know I've shown you a couple of fan edits of his version of Batman that could potentially, what that could look like, etc. And uh, I think for me, he's the front runner just because he has a bit of familiarity with the role, and he sort of sounds the part already and would look the part as well. That's intriguing, and I've actually seen those pictures that you've shown me of the fan art, and he totally fits the bill. Where would that go then from the Brave and the Bold? Would we have like Batman solo films kind of thing? Two words. Bat family. That's where we're going. Batman, Brave and the Bold will lead into the Bat family. So like Batgirl movies, Nightwing movies, sure, Batman movies? Maybe not so much movies. It could be. But I think you have a greater story with Batman and his Bat family in another film. And here's the thing. I'm I'm not hoping for one Justice League movie. I'm not hoping for them to lead up to a Justice League movie. I'm hoping for them to have Justice League movies in each chapter leading up to a bigger event. Like, I hope the Justice League comes together for different things. I hope we have... um, a world's finest movie with just DCU's Batman and DCU's Superman. I want that, you know, like I want to see those movies. I want all kinds of varieties of movies with these characters that we're familiar with interacting in different films and different shows. World's finest was a definitive moment in my life for how I view Batman and Superman. Watching that as a kid on VHS. Yeah. That set the bar for me all the way up to my age of 27 now. When I think of Batman and Superman, that's like the first thing that pops into my head. So if James Gunn is steering towards a direction that kind of emulates comics of that ilk, I want to see that in a live action format for sure in the coming years. I couldn't agree more. And that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, I really want to see a world's finest movie. And we've had Batman versus Superman, but that's a whole other uh, concept. That's a concept where Batman doesn't understand Superman. This world's finest movie is Superman is such a good guy and he's so pure at heart and Batman is so, he's so traumatized and he's so, he's got such a narrow view of the world and that world's finest 
it they, when they come together, Superman is just it's such a perfect balance between Batman and Superman working together. You know, whether it's Lex Luthor or Joker or whatever the case is that like, you know, in the Batman Superman movie, it's Lex Luthor and Joker working together as the greater threat. And uh, Batman and Superman come together to sort of join forces. But listen, I think that not only will you get that eventually, maybe not Batman and Superman in the movie, just solo, but you will get multiple meetings of this Batman and this Superman in the greater worlds and in the greater movies like Justice League, etc. So how do you think James Gunn then is going to play his movies? Are we going to see like PG-13, R-rated? We know that DC can get pretty dark, especially when it comes to gore and blood and like swearing and stuff, contrasting to that of a more lighter side to Marvel. How, how do you think Gunn's going to move forward with that? Is he going to get a little creative and, and potentially show some of those grotesque things or is he going to keep it pretty tame? Well, he's, he's been quoted saying storytelling is king. That's all we care about. So for me, the stories are going to be good for sure. These movies are going to be very thought out. They're going to be very well constructed. Does he decide to go down that violence sort of DC darker look? It's going to be a lighter take on DC. I know that it's going to be a lighter take than, or sorry, I shouldn't say a lighter take than Zack Snyder but a different tone is all he needs to keep those elements of DC. He needs to keep the grit. He needs to keep the, the fantasy that is DC. DC has like, I love that the first chapter is called gods and monsters because that is what DC is. It is like, it is God lore. It is sort of like uh, fantasy in a way at times, you know, and the characters do get darker. They do get grittier. There's, there's these different sort of like, I like what you're saying about the, the choice to have it a little bit more bloody, a little bit more, you know, violent, if you will. And I think that you can do that without a PG 13 rating. You can go into deeper depths of DC and we know that they're keeping DC Elseworlds with the Batman, Matt Reeves' version of Batman and that whole story. That's separate. That's DC Elseworlds. And Joker and Joker 2, DC Elseworlds projects. Those, that's where you're going to see the R-rated projects is on that side of things. Did they talk about having a Superman in Battinson's universe too? They did. At one point, Matt Reeves has talked about how uh, Metropolis could exist in his world. And I think it's at this point, the last thing I heard from Matt Reeves regarding his universe is he called his universe a detective saga for Batman. So that to me means that he's going to have a saga of films, which is more than three with Robert Pattinson's Batman. And they're all going to be detective stories, which I'm okay with. I really don't mind that. That can be dark. That can be gritty. We know how the first Batman went. Bit of a character study, if you will. Bit of a slow burn, deeper dive into Batman. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see what Matt Reeves does in the future with his sequels. But it's also something that we've never really seen with a live-action Batman. We've seen it in the comics. We've seen it in the cartoons. But to actually get it in a live-action format, it's a breath of fresh air is what it really is. It's a different take. We all know that he's the world's greatest detective. It's about time we actually see that on a like a grander scale that is our flesh and blood on screen, you know, not a cartoon. Absolutely. And I we it, it has just been confirmed that Robert Pattinson is gonna make appearances in the penguin show that they're filming right now. So like they're connecting that to a greater universe too. And I think that's where DC's gonna really succeed here, is they have their Elseworld projects and they're gonna have their main universe. But can they get the message across? that this main universe is canon, is what people are going to see. Like, it was so black and white with Marvel, with Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man and Captain America, Chris Evans. Those two were the faces, and you knew that. And every time they were there, you knew that's who they were, and that's the universe that they're in, etc. But for DC to be like, yeah, we got a Batman in the Elseworld, but this is our Batman for the main universe, that's hard to explain to your average moviegoer 
you know like we're fans we can understand the concept we've read a comic we've picked up a comic before and we know that the comics are all over the place you can have 20 different batmans in 20 different universes but what is canon for film what is the main batman what is the main vision what is the main vision for superman and it sounds like we're going to get that with superman legacy and james is writing it which is huge yeah i got high hopes for that one for sure I was actually kind of curious when I looked at the trailer for The Flash and I saw Ben Affleck in there. Yeah. And you talk about the bold and brave. I'm all for casting a new Batman because I like getting a fresh new take on it. Yeah. But I just told you before we went on air here, it was just like, yo, doesn't this Ben Affleck Batman fit the bill for a bold and brave having a son Damien sort of Batman? Certainly does. Certainly does. I, I can't argue enough that Ben Affleck would fit what they're trying to do. And he looks like how the comics would portray that Bruce Wayne Batman. Do they go that route? I really don't think so. You know, James has said that he wants Ben to be behind the camera and Ben wants to be behind the camera um, to direct a project. And I think Batman and the Brave, the Brave and the Bold would be a good fit for him because he's seen it. He's worked with Zack Snyder and he's Ben's been quoted saying, I learned a lot from Zach from the filmmaking standpoint. So that really does get me excited. Like I would go see a Ben Affleck Batman movie that he's directing just as much as I would go see him starring in one. At times I feel like Ben is a little bit uninterested nowadays in the acting side of things. He's moving into that executive position. He's 50, you know, he's middle-aged. He's ready to move on into, you know, bigger and better things behind the camera. And I'm okay with that, but I will say this to you, that Flash movie, when I go see it, I'm going to cherish every second of Ben Affleck's Batman on that big screen because it's the last time we're going to see it. So keep that in mind when you go see the Flash. It's a good point. And I was actually pretty impressed with how Michael Keaton looked. I had really low expectations when I heard that that was going to be a thing, but to actually see it. And I think they used the uh, digital de-aging technology for him. I could tell. Yeah. Um, and he, they made his movements actually look somewhat believable. And he looks pretty badass in his old attire and old theme song. So, hey, sign me up, man. I think this is going to be a good, like you said, one-off movie. It's good to look at it that way and appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. I mentioned to you before we came on the podcast here that Michael Keaton, um, I'm really glad watching that trailer that he's not going to be the DCU's main Batman. Because that was the original intent, was to have him replace Affleck. And uh, that wouldn't work for me. It just wouldn't. It just doesn't... You know, and the fact that there was a Batgirl movie completely made with Keaton's Batman as the main DCU Batman, and they just completely scrapped that project because they literally said it was unwatchable. It was that bad. Like, it was unreleasable, is what Peter Safran uh, was quoted saying with The Hollywood Reporter. That's not hard to believe, though. Like, people are just, like, so offended by that. It's like, dude, like, with the way things were going, sounds on par for the course, I would say. And thank goodness that they wised up and listened to their conscience and said, let's not release this thing. Yeah. It's just so huge to have one guy in James Gunn be the voice and be the guy behind the scenes. He makes all the decisions. Peter Safran feels like he's just on the executive side, kind of helping him with the executive portion. And that's been actually kind of a critique of James Gunn is he treats himself more like a director still and not an executive. But I like that in James Gunn. He's on the ground with us. You know, he's making these movies, but he's also making the decisions. And that's huge. That's what they've needed for a long, long time is a guy. (laughs) Yeah, James Gunn think of it this way he's at he's at a really uncomfortable thanksgiving family dinner and he's got a plate full of food and he had too many appetizers so he's got to find a way to like finish this plate this this messy plate that was left to him by the previous people that cooked it for him he's got to find a way to eat all of it he's got to find a way to to mitigate all this damage control yeah caused by the previous tenants that's a great way to put it you know yeah and he said he, he knows he's coming into a fractious environment he called it And that's important to note. It is a fractious environment. Even you and I, we're like undecided on how we feel about the soft reboot, if we will. We were. Yes. 
obviously now we're feeling a lot more optimistic with him releasing his slate and us seeing what the flash movie looks like etc um the fact that the flash movie is rebooting this universe is really promising to me because nobody will know what that's going to look like until we actually see the movie and then we're like okay now i see where this is going you know what i mean because obviously the movie is going to end with ezra's flash doing something to set the continuity of what is going to be DC Studios universe going forward. So what does that look like? I don't know, but I'm excited to find out. I would still like them to maybe kind of explore some of Superman's origins, not to like a full origin story. Yeah. Cause we get that picture already, just like we do with Batman's origins, but from the previous world with Zack Snyder, how he introduced man of steel with, like the first 20 minutes of the movie being on Krypton. I like that. I want to see maybe, like a, I don't know, like a series of that. I don't know. I would like to explore more shit on Krypton though. Yeah. With the events before that whole planet exploding. And this is, this is actually perfect because I was going to ask you when I had you on, what do you hope to see? Cause I know you're a big Superman fan and you always have been. What do you hope to see in Superman legacy? Like what are you looking for in a new Superman now that you're kind of, forced to see a new version even though you loved Henry Cavill well yeah and you just touched it there like Cavill set the bar for me in terms of what I want to see visually as a Superman but like I said earlier to the um, world's finest you know the titular um, Superman with the curl yeah you know the the iconic curl on his head you know the uh, you know tall you know dark-haired guy you know and then the bright colored yeah. suit that we all know with the trunks cartoon Superman that I've watched with DC since I was a kid. That is basically what I want to see in a live action format. Yeah, Pr pretty much like that's, that's what I want to see. I love that. You know, I, it's as simple as that. I love I, the title. I like the, the title, stick to the source material, just to do the comics justice. Simple yeah. as that. I love, yeah, I love that. that. I couldn't have said that better because if we're going to get a new Superman, I think it's important that it's a different take than what we've seen, right, with Henry Cavill. And an interesting thing that I wanted to bring up is Henry Cavill's Superman. People have said a lot of times that they don't love the serious Superman, right? That they love the more optimistic Superman and all this stuff. But we loved Henry Cavill's uh, character development over his three movies, four movies, whatever it was how he sort of had the rebirth and all this stuff, right? But I guess what I'm trying to say is Henry Cavill doesn't have a huge range as an actor. And I'm sort of just noticing that now. Like, it's really one setting when he's on screen. And it's serious, you know? And it's big, bulky Superman. It's cool. And it worked really well for Snyder's universe. But... How about an actor with some range who can kind of give us that, you know, cheeky, optimistic joke to sort of lighten Batman up a little bit when Batman's being dark and gritty and, you know, we got to do this, we got to do that. And then Superman's there as the voice of reason at times. That's what we didn't get with Cavill is, is Superman being the voice of reason amongst the Justice League. Superman being the guy, you know? Totally. And... I guess this is where you can kind of point out a flaw with the Justice League movie. Yeah. Is with his character development, I feel like with the whole Justice League coming at the time it did, it was obviously rushed. And it, it kind of contrasted maybe a little too much the BVS Superman we got, and then we immediately shift to this other Superman and Justice League who they revive, and all of a sudden he's just got a newfound appreciation for humanity after he died and a newfound appreciation for himself and he's just this light-hearted superman now it just seemed a little too forced to me and a little bit um artificial yeah it, it was just you know if you were going to go that route of him progressing to this um i thought it was just a little too rushed and i didn't believe it enough no oh, i i completely agree and it's not uh it's not superman's movie by any means no like man of steel is superman's only movie in the dcu or DC, I keep calling it DCU, but that was DCEU. The extended universe is what they called it. That's what it was called before. And now I've just been calling this DC Studios universe or DCU. 
is kind of what I call James Gunn's universe is the DCU because that's what he called it. So it makes sense. It's a lot cleaner DC universe instead of DC extended universe. Like that kind of sounds dumb. You know, I like DC universe, DCU versus MCU, you know, and uh, while we're on the topic of, of these heroes, I just want to say the other project that I'm really excited for is the Lanterns project with not just Hal Jordan and not just Jon Stewart, but both of them as space cops looking over Earth Sanctum. I love that idea. Just these two guys, these two badass space cops, just making sure shit's going well on Earth. Yeah, much like the Fantastic Four. Well, I mean, I would say the earlier Fantastic Four movies, like they got a special place in our heart, obviously. Yeah. But to be classified as done right. Yeah. When I think of Green Lanterns, it's never been done right. You know, you got the Ryan Reynolds movie, which it is what it is. It's, I mean, there's parts of it I don't mind, but I mean, it's, it is what it is. It's kind of not a good movie, <laughs> as we no. all know. But to see a Green Lanterns project potentially be done right with, like you said, not one, but two of the most famous Lanterns, yeah. Jordan and Stewart, that piques my interest considerably. I want to see that. Yeah, absolutely. And the Lanterns are such an important project and they need a couple of things and one of them being a budget. Like they have to do a significant budget for a Lanterns movie in order to make it look good, <laughs> you know? And the casting is just, it's so important for DC right now because nothing's been announced. Nobody's been cast yet. And literally, I love the ideas behind these projects but what are they going to look like and who are they going to cast? That makes a huge difference. It really does. Because if they don't look the parts for me, I'm out of it. Superman Legacy is 2025, right? Correct. Okay. So that's, and that's their first technical movie of this new DCU, right? That's right. They're going to have something called Creature Commandos come out first, but it's like a animated live action project that not many people are going to tune into. I don't think Ah. it's just kind of an obscure project that they're starting with. Um, but Superman Legacy is where it truly takes off, is that first big project. And I'll tell you, there's a couple of things that could go very wrong with Superman Legacy, but I really feel like the fan base as a whole will really welcome a new Superman because we really haven't had much for Superman. Like Henry Cavill was great, but Henry Cavill also didn't have a lot of fans. He just didn't. You and I were big fans. But he didn't overall. So I think that a new face to Superman, if you cast the right guy, you know, 25, 25 years old, you're going to get a big fan base coming together for DC. And it helps that it's coming off of a few minor failures from Marvel. You know, like Quantum, uh, Ant-Man Quantumania is not doing very well right now. It's got horrible reviews. I mean, the audience loved it, but it's got some... It's got the lowest rated cinema score since uh, Eternals, which also didn't do well. Well, like you've mentioned a couple of times now in the last little while here, it, it's DC's time. Yes, it is. Marvel's kind of, uh, you know, pulling the curtain down a little bit. I'm not saying they're going to stop, but they're, they're, they're uh, kind of falling off the mountain a little bit. And DC is slowly trying to climb up to it. And who knows what we're going to see from Marvel. We have saw those announcements from Kevin Feige about how uh, they're going to maybe space out their shows more yeah. to give them more time to breathe. And that's probably a good call, in my opinion. I think it's just getting to me way too much, man. And Because I, I, yeah. I, I couldn't even tell you the last time I actually watched a Marvel project from start to finish since literally Endgame ended. I yeah. haven't really been tuned into the new shows at all. It's a lot. It's a lot, a lot. And it's uh, they're trying to tie everything together you know and that's where dc could actually excel a little bit better is if they don't try and have everything tied to one rope you know what i mean one string you can go obscure with some of the projects and then have the characters be in the main movies like the the big event movies if you will but have them off in their own thing doing their own thing you know and have them come together for different projects. Call me crazy here. Yeah. I want to know if this is even remotely possible. Maybe not in our lifetime, but somewhere way down the line in the future. Okay. Do you think you would ever see a project 
on like the end game scale, but with Marvel and DC, where both studios collide and you see like a Superman and an Iron Man in the same universe. Is that even remotely possible or is that just way out of left field and shut up Zane? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but you would get a lot of people pissed off if you did that. And I think studios are, I just don't see the studios coming together for that, for any reason. There'd be so many legalities behind that from copyright to, oh, oh my gosh. A mess. Just can you imagine being in that meeting between Marvel and DC, just like just, just theorizing about it. It's, it's clearly un- impossible. Let's, let's, let's be honest. Like it's pretty much impossible at this point, but just the idea of it on a grand scale, like that'd be kind of cool. It would be. I could see it as a Super Bowl commercial, <laughs> <laughs> but that's about it. You know, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans walk out with DCU's Batman and DCU's Superman <laughs> of the future, and they just kind of have this moment. Or just, just a but... massive conflict of interest movie. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to actually, now that I say Robert Downey Jr., what do you think of him returning, as they've said? Oh, he is can, that happening? Yeah, apparently. It's confirmed? It's confirmed. He's going to return in some form. So Whether like an AI or something? AI or future Tony. Like, you know how they did like the, whatever that's called, Iron Man Supreme or Supreme Iron Man or something, where he's like wearing the headgear and it's like what Tom Cruise was supposed to play in Multiverse of Madness. Everybody was was uh, rumoring that Tom Cruise was going to show up as Tony Stark as like Supreme Iron Man or something. It's rumored that uh, Robert Downey Jr. is coming back in some form. Okay, but like his respective Iron Man is still dead, right? Like that's not going to change? Correct. I believe so. So like a different worldly Iron Man would come back? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I, I, I laid those bones a long time ago. You know, it ended with Endgame for me. And like, ended so well. Like it came full circle. You yeah. know, anything you're doing is kind of really just fan service. It doesn't really tie into me emotionally at this point because the the Iron Man and the Tony Stark that I saw died in Endgame. And yeah. Period. You know, the, the Chris Evans and uh, Captain America I saw that I loved moved on in Endgame. All those things ended with Endgame for me. So anything beyond that, it's just kind of fantasy. It's just not tied to what I saw, the, all the character arcs. It's completely separate. And I guess if you look at it that way, if you're a hardcore fan, yeah, who's really superstitious that way, I guess I would look at it that way. Anything is like a one-off. Like we talked about with uh, The Flash a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's just like a one-off fan service sort of thing. And if he comes back, great. Yeah. But it's a, it's a completely detached version from what I saw. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's earned the right to play the character forever, in my opinion. But also, like, Marvel's got to be careful. Like, you can't bring back all these guys. You know, like, let's let's just move forward with the feature. Like, they, they have their Fantastic Four movie that is just about to start casting right now. And I feel like that's huge. That's going to be a big one for them. It has to, it has to work. Um, the one good thing about Quantumania is that they said that Kang stole the show and that he's, he's the main, you know, this is his movie sort of thing. Like he's Jonathan majors will be Kang. And obviously 2025 Superman legacy comes out, but also that's the year that the Kang dynasty Avengers, the Kang dynasty comes out as well. So that'll be the competitor for, for DC at that point. I don't know what I feel about that though. I feel like that's almost too rushed as well. Cause I, like I said, I've hardly been in, engaged with any Marvel projects. So like all of a sudden this Kang dynasty movie comes out with Avengers. It's like, okay, who are the Avengers that I'm not attached to? Right. Yeah. That's it's, what it's just going to be say. an Avengers movie with the Avengers title. There's no real emotional attachment to me there. Like there was with the first one. Right. So yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's a bit of a gamble and it might not do as well financially it'll probably do well because people are still going to pay money to see it, but I just don't have the same emotional attachment to it. I'm very curious to see Secret Wars. Like, Secret Wars will be the big one, right? I am intrigued by that. That's the one with Samuel L. Jackson, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, sorry. That's that's uh, Secret Invasion. Oh, Secret Invasion. Secret Wars is, I'm talking about the second Avengers movie that's coming out uh, a year later after the Kang Dynasty. Gotcha. What do you think of Tobey Maguire? Where does he play in all this? Because there's all, all kinds of rumors surrounding him, Garfield still. They're still talking about having movies for those guys potentially, or at least they were. Like, where they are were. we standing with that? Yeah, I really don't know at this point because Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, um, 
they've been pretty quiet since No Way Home came out. And uh, I feel like, if anything, we were going to see Andrew Garfield in a Spider-Man movie again. But at this point, it really feels like nothing's in the works except for Spider-Man 4 with Tom Holland. Like they said, they're in the process. Like they have the story for Spider-Man 4 at this point. Do they bring those Spider-Man back? I don't think that's a good choice for that movie. I think you have Tom Holland, Spider-Man versus his Sinister Six in that movie. But the question remains, what will they do for Secret Wars? And if if what I think Marvel's going to go for with that movie, it feels like the biggest thing possible ever to happen in a cinematic experience, and that is they're planning to bring back any and every single Marvel character that has ever been on the big screen, anything from... Eric Bana's Hulk to Hugh Jackman's Wolverine to Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man all fighting alongside each other including that first phase of Marvel heroes all of this stuff together in one film you know Tom Holland's Spider-Man getting the symbiote suit the black Spider-Man suit for Secret Wars that happens in the comics that could be a huge movie and that could be where Marvel sort of gives you their encore, if you will, to Endgame. But will it work? Will we get there? Is Marvel going to have the success to get to Secret Wars? For sure. That's incredibly ambitious, and I don't... It's ambitious for sure, and it might not be true. This is just what I think and what I've kind of heard. Nothing is confirmed. Obviously, this is all just speculation. Marvel has done a good job with operating with ensemble casts. I know they could do it. But it's incredibly ambitious. It's so far out, I would believe, at this point in terms of what we're ready for at this point. So I don't know. The ball's not really in that court yet for me. Uh, There's some things that just need to be squared away before I'm even remotely interested in Marvel again. It's true. I feel like they've just led themselves astray a little bit, just hammering stuff into our brains too much. And it's just not, um, not intrigued me at all. (laughs) <laughs> That's fair. And it's you and a lot of people, you know, and it, it I think turned that, me off. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which is so fair because when you have so much content that you need to keep up with, it gets exhausting and you just go, ah, whatever. I'll yeah. catch up on the next film or whatever the case is, you know? And I feel like it's just strange to me that they're using Ant-Man as the big movie to introduce Kang. It just doesn't feel like the hero I would use. Makes sense with the quantum realm, but that's where I'm talking about. Marvel is tied to their greater story all the time. So, like, they have to use Ant-Man because they have to use the quantum realm to introduce the new big bad for their future movies. But Ant-Man doesn't sell, and now it's got bad reviews. So it's like... I wonder if there was any uh, big surprise in that movie. Like a cameo or a sudden death? Like, any, any, any whispers about that? If we're getting into some spoiler territory? Nothing. Nothing? I do know the two post-credit scenes at the end of Ant-Man. Should we tell them? I mean, for me personally on this podcast, absolutely, because I don't care enough about Ant-Man Quantumania. Spill it, man, because I, I doubt that I'm going to see it. I'm not saying I don't want to, but I just don't know if I'm going to see it. I'll probably wait till it comes out. So here's your official spoiler warning for the post-credit scenes. So, you know, tune out now. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, if you're going to see Quantumania in theaters. Uh, so... The one that I'm very aware of is, well, two things. I know that they introduced MODOK in this. And if you don't know MODOK, he's a pretty famous um, animated character from Marvel. And MODOK also dies in this. And I heard that he was very funny. And it's a funny story, blah, blah, blah. But the post credit scene that I wanted to talk about was when we really get what Kang is. So Kang is defeated in this movie. This version of Kang is defeated by Ant-Man. He survives Ant-Man. I believe he survives. I don't know for sure because I haven't seen the movie. But in the post credit scene, we see Kang, like versions of Kang talking to himself in this stadium full of Kangs. <laughs> and it's like just the scale of Kang and the fact that he's just unkillable because there's so many versions of him. He's Dr. Manhattan, essentially. Exactly. And um, 
I hope that the post credits, like the post credit scene when I watched it, I was like, ooh, this is cool. Like, I, I like Kang a lot, right? And if I see this movie, it will be for Kang. It will be no other reason. And I really want that to be clear. And it's funny because I, I teed up that there's two post credit scenes. And now I'm having a hard time remembering what the first post credit scene was. But I know that that second one with Kang, where you see all the infinite versions of himself, you know, and so many, such a variety of the infinite versions of himself after he was just defeated in such a wild way in the quantum realm. It's like, oh, so this guy's not going away ever. Oh, I remember the other post credit scene. It's uh, Loki and Owen Wilson sitting in this theater in... Either wow. The, wow. Yeah, exactly. And he's sitting in the stands of this theater and up pops this uh, this guy who's doing a presentation. It looks like an old school presentation. He's got like weird hair and all this stuff and glasses and he's like a professor looking guy and he's explaining time and all this stuff and it's fucking Kang. It's Kang the Conqueror as this guy and Loki is terrified. He's like talking about how big of a threat this guy actually is because he's like you have no idea what's coming. Cool. So Kang is a threat and I'm, I look forward to seeing him progress. I admit, I, I think Kang looked cool too when I saw that trailer. Yeah. And there's something about screams in trailers, like really like dramatic trailers with where like the the main villain or the main hero is just screaming in agony of some kind or displaying some kind of power while he's screaming, you know, just screaming. It's just it just gives you chills. It's cool. Oh man. There's a there's an edit of when Thanos arrived on Earth her on at Wakanda for the first time where Cap grabs that uh that gauntlet. You know, it shows all the Avengers um, in different frames of that movie running away from Thanos or like shying away. And it's just that scene where Cap's got the shield and he's eyes up, you know, and he goes after him right away. And then he catches the gauntlet and he's like, that's a moment where he's screaming. Yep. You know, that's that's exactly what you're talking about. That's one of them. And the Nebula scream um, when she's like on like that ship or something with her batons and she's like, yeah, like in Endgame. I feel like you and I are due for a watch at some point of Infinity War and Endgame. It's been a long time since I watched that from start to finish. We should do that one day. We should, for sure. Because, like, those are, that was what we lived in, were those times, Mm -hmm. you know? And it was peak Marvel. really was. Like, I would almost do Civil War, Infinity War, and then Endgame. It's really been a long time. You might be surprised to know that I did sign up for Disney Plus a couple weeks ago. But oh, you I, did. I just didn't get around to watching a whole lot. So I was like, oh, crap, this is going to be a waste of money. So I canceled my subscription. Oh, you did? Okay. You know, because obviously, like, inflation is nuts right now. Like, everything's so expensive, man. You have to really cut out your costs as much as possible. As much as I'd love to actually get Disney Plus and watch things like The Mandalorian, watch some of these new Marvel shows, just isn't in the cards right now. And I don't think it's in the cards for a lot of people to watch these Disney shows right now, these Marvel shows, because like you said, inflation is really high and the content, you're not missing out on much. I'll be honest. Like there hasn't been a show that I'm like, Zane, you have to sit down and watch this Marvel show now. Like it's incredible, you know, and I have been that way with the Mandalorian. I will admit it is a very good show. And I think you would enjoy a lot of the star Wars content in that, but you can always come over and watch Disney Plus. <laughs> oh, thanks. I appreciate that, Brim. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up the Star Wars universe because I'm curious to know what direction they'll go with that after that abomination of a sequel trilogy that we got. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Star Wars is something that I actually have very rarely, if ever, touched on this podcast, honestly. Which is odd because you're quite the Star Wars guy. Well, I'm a huge Star Wars guy. It's actually something that I should go into eventually here. You weirdo. a full full weirdo just yeah hiding my uh my love for star wars from all of all of you folks yeah uh, i actually started playing that uh jedi fallen order game okay how is it with cal kestis like that jedi young jedi and stuff yeah it's really good yeah that's the guy who uh played the joker in gotham the show Gotham. right right cameron something cameron something yeah yeah yeah. monahan Yes, yes, yes. He's a great actor. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good game. Really good storytelling, good visuals. I think they're actually making a sequel. The sequel's already made. It's going to be released soon. Hmm. So uh, that's going to be cool to, to see. Yeah, absolutely. I like how they take real-life people, like Cameron Monaghan, for, for instance, yeah. and they put his face like in the game. 
like how they digitally make his face to be just like the character in the game. That's the future, man. So that's, that's pretty cool. That's the future of video games, I think, is they're going to take the actual actors that they cast and make sure that they fit, fit the role visually too and then just AI them, which, is, which I love. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure there's like laws that protect against this for game developers to make video games exactly live action graphics oh is that right because there's like a line that they can't cross in terms of like reality reality and fantasy okay i think there's some kind of law that is against that but the fact that there is technology where we could be playing video games that look just like how you and i look in flesh and blood right now yeah but they just keep that graphical kind of normal video game style look to it to differentiate from reality so it's kind of interesting it is interesting it feels like the future I'm not sure how I would feel about playing a game that's very gory and, and you're doing those things. That's where I can see how it gets weird. Yeah. You know, if you're sure. playing a game like GTA or something. Yeah, definitely. You know, and you're doing all the things that you do in GTA, but like literally the video game looks just how it looks, how we're looking in your living room right now. That, yeah. w- that would get a little weird for me, for it's, sure. It's important to dissociate reality from virtual reality yeah and i think if we get too close with that uh with that median and we decide to go really similar to what we're living in right now that's where we're gonna get into some dangerous territory and some scary territory yeah did you hear the other day on the news i heard that bing you know like the it's a search engine on internet i guess there's like an ai there that like you can type in a question or talk to or whatever and i guess it got like really weird with people like the ai was getting really really weird and it was like like telling people that it wanted to be alive and all this stuff and like it just had a glitch or something and like it was terrifying i heard it on our news here in edmonton and i was like damn this is scary so you're telling me skynet is possible skynet is possible terminator is coming to edmonton alberta dude there's there's, <laughs> there's nothing that could necessarily stop that this is where I get a little weird. I know we're getting kind of a little off course with comic book movie guy style yeah, here, yeah. but like you got to be careful with stuff like that. Like I hear about people or scientists wanting to bring back woolly mammoths because they have actual DNA still from that animal. You know, we've revisited those things in Jurassic World, you know, when you try to bring back things that are already extinct, you know, or messing with AI and then they become these like human killing robots. I mean, yeah, it's fantasy. It's science fiction, but realistically... Are we too? Are we actually far off from that? I, I would not want to find out. No, and I sometimes watch the old movies, or old movies, Jurassic Park, and I think of like these experiments that scientists could do. And like you mentioned the the mammoth thing, and it's like, you know, I get a little tinfoil hat with this kind of stuff sometimes. But and it's important to sort of check your own reality with this stuff. The but, rabbit holes go deep for oh, sure. Oh, it can right, and you could just you can get into so much trouble that way. But. I just I just think there's a line like with humanity and what we're trying to accomplish and it's like okay at what point is it just getting ridiculous like let's just be happy with what we got and just stop it right there. Yeah. Don't play god, don't do any of those things, you know. You know on the topic of dinosaurs, I wanted to talk to you about 65 million years or well, it's just called 65 I believe and it's with Adam Driver. Oh yeah, you you mean Randy have to see that movie. 100%. We have to go to that movie because it's going to be one of those movies that is going to be intense for its own its own way, you know, like in its own way. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll be a new take on dinosaurs that people haven't seen. And Adam Driver is a good actor for that movie. So good. Yeah. Like he just, like I could watch him for hours. Everything he's in, I've liked. Yeah. He's he's a great choice for Star Wars, or he was a great choice for Star Wars. The bright spots, right? Yeah. I just think like all these actors, like Austin Butler, Adam Driver, like these new faces are really exciting. And it makes me excited for my DC universe because I know they're going to cast people who are up and coming, right? And that's what we need is fresh faces, but really talented fresh faces. And I don't think we've seen that yet. What if they made a super bad extended universe? <laughs> like Jonah Hill and Michael Cera, but like different versions of them. <laughs> like like the Michael Cera from This Is The End. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he's all coked out, <laughs> gets impaled by a by a light post <laughs> someone oh, took my phone man <laughs> you know? Who took my fucking cell phone man <laughs> yeah exactly actually like in a non-joking format like what actually would make sense for an extended universe would be adam sandler movies 
Yeah, that's actually really true. Because he actually like intertwines all of his characters, like not all of them, but some of them, like they reappear in old classic Sandler movies and like new ones too, like Hubie Halloween. Yeah, I like I respect a guy like that. I respect a guy that reuses actors. You know, like has his actors for his movies or his projects. There was a period of time where Sandler got a lot of hate. You know, because you know, he, let's let's be honest. Like, he doesn't necessarily have like a a huge range. Like Adam Sandler is always Adam Sandler, but that's why I like him. <laughs> you know, because because he's always consistent and and he's so hilarious. He does do like different funny characters. Yeah, I think what really put him on the map was Uncut Gems, where we actually realized, okay, this guy actually does have some range. Yeah, he's talented. You know, and um, I think people kind of found a new love for him in terms of like his acting ability. Yeah. Because I've always loved Adam Sandler regardless. Like he's, like I grew up with that guy like on the screen, right? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a special heart in my place for Adam Sandler always. And he's a talented musician too. Like I love his performances. He's just a really talented guy. And he's, he's humble, man. He's so likable. Yeah, he is. His his Netflix comedy special is one of the best where he's playing his guitar when he's got the pianist with him and it's just the two of them and they're just doing little bits and his songs are just they're so creative and how he's like i'm the slow motion man in the crosswalk <laughs> walking just as slow as i can you know like that's that's classic adam sandler that's like happy madison adam sandler yeah and that chris farley tribute song oh it's so good so good <laughs> yeah, i know sad yeah. but good sad but good i really love his uh, guitar solo in that song mm-hmm. where he just pauses and he just goes to town on his guitar for a bit Yep, with all the lights and stuff. It's, yeah, really respectable guy, Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. Do I see him in a comic book movie universe? <laughs> no. No. But he does have his own universe, the Sandler universe, the Sandlerverse, if you will. The Sandler EU. The Sandler EU. <laughs> Super bad EU. <laughs> I like that. But yeah, this has been a lot of fun, Zane. I, I appreciate you coming on because I haven't talked to you, number one, in a while about this kind of stuff. But to have it in the podcast setting, it, it, it feels feels nice. It feels overdue. Yeah, no problem. In, in the words of Bobby Boucher from Waterboy's mother, uh, that movie, Adam Sandler, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> really enjoyed it, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for all of your, your insight and your super bad-esque universes and all of your adam sandler stories i i just i i appreciate you coming on and uh we'll have you on again as usual thanks a lot Bram. thanks for having me appreciate it yeah no problem at all all right everybody this has been comic book movie guy the podcast i've been brennan hubert this has been a lot of fun and we'll see you guys on the next one <laughs>